0: I got swine flu.
1: <laughs> By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is John Bazaar. If you are hearing this on the week it comes out, I am working this week in Chicago. Great timing. February in Chicago. I will be appearing the 17th and 18th, Tuesday and Wednesday, at the Zanies Comedy Club in downtown Chicago, right on Wells Street. And uh, Thursday through Saturday, the 19th through the 21st, I will be at the Zanies in St. Charles at the Pheasant Run Resort. So if you're in the city or the suburbs this week, please come out to a show. It'll be good to see you. I recorded this interview with John Bazaar in Las Vegas where I was working with him. But seven days, a lot of Vegas. That's a lot of days to kill in Vegas. And I went and took a hike at Red Rock Canyon which is one of my uh, favorite things to do when I'm working Vegas and want to get off the Strip, which you have to get off the Strip if you're there for seven days or you'll go nuts. So I had a nice hike in Red Rock Canyon, and I made my first trip ever to the Pinball Hall of Fame and Museum. Ten-year-old me was freaking out. And you know what? Adult me is kind of freaking out as well. I loved being in there. Big pinball fan as a kid. And I loved seeing they had old vintage games there. The place could be nicer. I got to say that. If you ever go there, it's on Tropicana Boulevard. And I guess that would be east of the Strip. Short little drive. And the place is not much to look at from the outside. Nondescript building. uh, A sign that's kind of like a a canvas sign strapped over it. It's easy to miss. And you go in and all the machines are lined up. And there's a desk in the back where they're fixing them. It's not the Vegas Flash you'd expect. Let's just say that. But you get to play all the machines. And you're talking machines from like as way back as the 50s. Brought back a lot of childhood memories. Enjoyed it. And for you video nuts, there is one row of uh, vintage video games. Pac-Man, Defender, Asteroids, the whole deal. So I spent five bucks and uh, killed a couple hours in the pinball museum. So check it out if you're into that kind of stuff in Vegas next time you're there. Okay, let's talk about the website, TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go to our homepage. You can click the links on all our social media. Facebook, give us a like on Facebook. Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. TravelTales Pod on Twitter. Go there, follow us, like us, do the whole thing. And also, there are links on our homepage to Stitcher Radio, where you can subscribe to this show, and iTunes. And if you go to iTunes, why not give us a good rating, huh? Subscribe and just give us a thumbs up or five stars or whatever you can do, because that really does boost our presence on iTunes, and it helps more people find the show, and that's cool. So if you can do that... I would appreciate it. And as always, cost you nothing. All right, let's get to my talk with John Bazaar. He's uh, been a comedian a long time. And he did something that a lot of us talk about doing and sometimes dream about doing, which is just sell everything and move overseas and just live for a while. So he did that. He's got a great story about doing it. And he's been around a lot. So please enjoy my talk with John Bazaar. How bizarre. How bizarre. How bizarre. How bizarre. John Bazaar. All right, I'm Let's done get it already. Ra- I'm done. I'm out. That's it. <laughs> Let's get it right out of the way. <laughs> I know everybody's – Every radio show's got to ask you this. We're going to get the name thing out of the way. Where's it from? Why? Uh, is it given? My real,
1: my real name is João Carvalho Viveiros Trejo. That's true. He's really? Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah. And uh, and I and then I, when I was I was a uh, I was a DJ at a roller skating rink, and uh, I just changed somebody. Some, one of the stop girls, bragging. I, <laughs> <laughs> and one of the girls used to uh, just call me bizarre. Just. Just as a noun, just your just bizarre, and uh, and and then I just I just changed it to John Bazaar, and I kept it. Oh, okay. When I went into comedy, I just kept it. Where did you start? I started in Long Island. Long Island, mm-hmm. born and raised. No, I was an Air Force brat. I was born in Japan. I lived all over the world, and then I, I when my dad retired, he retired in New York, and then I started. Uh, I was a roller skating DJ, and then a, and a bunch <laughs> of other. I worked at. Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken and a bunch of other jobs. And then, uh, and then my dad actually gave – I haven't thought about this in a long time. He gave me um, a, a cutout from a newspaper. I was doing a radio show. And uh, b- people who f- like my age will remember a guy named Bob Buckman. He used to run like Apple Radio. And he was like a big, huge producer in Long Island and New York. And, uh, and he hired me. To do these overnights, and I was doing those, and I was kind of eh, maybe moderately amusing on on the show, and so he gave me this cut off, he goes, yeah, cut out that he got from the newspaper, he goes, hey, you know they're having uh, uh, auditions for comedy uh, stuff, I think is how he put it. Um, so you might want to get down there and do that. And I auditioned at Richard M. Dixon's White House Inn which was Richard cl- M Dixon. Yeah, he was a he was a Nixon impersonator. <laughs> oh boy. And uh, he was actually did you ever see Where the Buffalo Roam? Sure. Yeah, he plays that's that's him. Oh, okay. He plays Nixon in that film. Oh, wow. All and right. uh, Richard M Dixon, he opened up in 1976, he opened up his own entertainment castle thing on Long Island, and that's where Eddie Murphy started mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of other guys um Lower level than that started the names you'd recognize, and uh, and I started there too in '82.
0: Wow. Okay, so that was the start of your comedy right, right. there. Right. So getting into travel, the Army brat thing. Yeah. You was that like your first inkling of wow, this is this
1: world is huge and not just you know America. As yeah, from a very very young age. Yeah, which is uh, which is uh, I, I which is why I have left here often because I get bored here. I, th- I, this, I do, too. This, yeah, this will sound – I don't know how, how it will sound to an American who's never left a country before. But so, Americans are very one-dimensional. That and sounds he, communist to me. <laughs> maybe you should, should get out and stay out. Well, I did get out. <laughs> I know. For a while, and then I came back because <laughs> I missed my people. But, uh, yeah, I, I moved to Amsterdam and, um, during the O. J. A. years. I, well, this is what I remember. And, and when I found
0: out I was working with you this week, I should lay the groundwork here. We're in my hotel room in, uh, in Vegas. We've worked the entire week together. You made it very difficult to that's, follow you all that's week. That's not the case. That is t- totally the case because J- no. people don't know John. He's very funny, and um, but you live here now. Yes, and so you are a, uh, a local. But I what I remember from you, and I think we may have met, but this was like 20 years ago, and I believe it was maybe Indianapolis. Okay, did you used to work the connection and Broad Ripple? Yes, and all those. Yes, yes, yes. Chick that's- and Patty.
1: That's right. Yeah, that is where we work
0: together. Yeah. But, and then I heard of rumor about you leaving the, checking out. Yeah. Like you
1: went to Amsterdam and you were, you wrote a book maybe? I wrote a couple of books, but I, I had a short, I, the short version of the story is that I just got tired of, I felt like a whore in LA. I was just doing all these commercials and stuff, um, and I just felt like this horrific, just monster. And I had read <laughs> The Razor's Edge, and I wanted to be Larry Darrell. I wanted to be that guy. So at one point I was so tired and I'd saved a, lot, a bunch of money. I was so tired of being in L.A. and I just hate L.A. I was like, ah, fuck this. I'm leaving. So I did. So I took – I put my money in the bank and I gave all my stuff away. I had a party. I invited all my <laughs> friends over. I gave everything I owned away. I gave my mom my car and just all my books, everything. And then I, I put all my remaining stuff in a backpack and I moved to Amsterdam and I lived there for two years. I was a rickshaw driver. I built a, I built a this, bicycle one, a, a bicycle rickshaw. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Technically a pedicab. Yeah. And it was a three wheel bike with a little chair in it, a little covering. And I learned how to speak a little Dutch. And then I, I lived there for two years. And I used to just bum around Europe. I would just, <laughs> I would make enough money. And then I would just take a week off and I would go, "Eh, I'm going, you know, I'm going to Austria or I'll go to Italy or whatever I want to do. And I just did that for like two years. Oh, that's great. It was great. It was the best. Uh, I would say and this, this, you know, now I'm married and these are great years. These are the best years. And they really are. But up until this point, those are the best two years of my life.
0: Did um, What was it about America and your career in comedy at that time that made you check out? I, I remember mean,
1: opening up the paper, and, and this was during the Rwanda thing. Now, this oh, yeah, is like yeah. 94. Um, this is right around when O.J. was running away from the police going up to 405. By the and, way, the best time to buy in L.A. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I know guys that bought 94, right.
0: 90, Because it was like the O.J. trial, the Northridge quake. Yes. Um, There was a recession. That's Uh, right. They were laying, the aerospace industry was laying off a lot of people. I mean, it was just, yep. And it was just one hit after another, and the for sale signs were out. That's right. And I knew some friends that bought that, and I was like, you son of (laughs) a bitch.
1: But yeah, people were leaving. People were really leaving. Yeah. And you were one of them. Yeah, I, I was definitely one of them, but I was going far, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I was. Uh, but I also was like, I was just tired of being. Uh, at that time, I don't know, were you in LA at that time? No, I got there in '97. Okay. Oh, and also the Rodney King riots. You know that. that That's came. Right. Yeah, I remember that too. Um, but yeah, and I was just so I was just so t- I was all over local TV. I'd been doing all these commercials. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I had these Carl's Junior commercials, these peanut butter commercials, all this crap. And I had actually friends of mine going, "Dude, get off my TV." I was one of those, like Scott. L- <laughs> remember how hot. Scott Scott LaRose was for a while. I was like that. You were that guy. I was that that guy for a while where I was on every single commercial. And it was so annoying. Uh, uh, Kevin West was another guy (laughs) who was like uh, during that same time period. And um, actually, it was like the three of us were getting everything. (laughs) And I was so annoyed and I hated my – I just was unhappy. I was a very unhappy guy. And uh, I was in a bad relationship and everything else. And then I I remember – I think the kicker was – I had planned to leave anyway. But I think the kicker was I remember following this Rwandan story. It was like whatever that was, April '94, I think. And I, I'm going through it, and I'm I'm reading it, and going like, why is this not? Why is it's like it was on page 14 of the LA Times, and I was like, this reporter from like Belgium just said that there was like like 40,000 people died today, and it's nowhere in the news. And I was going like, what the? F-? And I open up, and I remember going, I couldn't wait to get to the paper the next morning, and the front page was. Roseanne was leaving her husband, Tom Arnold. That was the front page. Giant picture. That's the big news story. And on page, I think it was eight, eight or nine, was like – the, the slaughter was up to like 500,000. Oh, man. And I was like, I'm so sick of this fucking country. I hate this country. <laughs> this is what's important to this country, and this is what's not important to this country. And it's like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. So I just left. So why Amsterdam of all places? I was a big weed smoker. Oh, oh there we go. Now yeah. we're on to something. Big weed <laughs> smoker, big hash <laughs> smoker and i'd been there a couple times and uh if you're now you know it's a different era now but then if you were a connoisseur that was that the, was the place, place to go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cuz i was cuz i and i used to when i was a rickshaw driver i used to get uh different levels of weed and combine <laughs> them like i would get the really low level jamaican weed which was like this kind of it was kind of a it still had seeds in it yeah it, stuff, stuff like we seed. used to get in Illinois growing that's, up yeah that's right yeah in the seventies or whatever yeah <clears throat> and uh, and I would get that but then I would mix it with a high level Moroccan hash which was the blonde Moroccan hash and there were three levels of it and I would get the best. And it was this nice buzz that you could just ride because it was you weren't you weren't blotto, but you were just kind of in the middle it was like, oh man, you are high, but I'm aware I'm alert I know what's going on
0: I can pedal all night I can pedal all night I can <laughs> I can make money
1: and I, you know so I was smoking like ten joints a day oh. for like two years just bumming around out you know all of Europe. did it ever really get ahead of you you think you think you ever got you know had a problem with it or did it move on? Oh, to yeah, stuff? yeah the reason the trip ended because oh. I ran out of money. And I was an opium addict. Ah! I kind of went that way. You graduated. I did. I went to the next <laughs> level. I, you know, I got my degree, and uh, so it was a gateway drug for you. It certainly was. <laughs> you know what happened was there was a, there was a coffee shop named the Republic on the outside of Amsterdam that only like locals went to, and I went there and I was going there. I I, I couldn't stand hanging out with tourists, and I was smoking. Uh, I was smoking like a like Nepal hash. It was a darker. Hash and the, the owner comes over and goes, You know, you come here all the time. Uh, yeah, you're a good guy. I think I trust you. He goes, uh, Maybe you'd like to try uh, the good stuff. And I, I, I was like, Dude, I thought this was. He goes, No, no, no. You need to hey, mm. try this. So he gives me this little ball. He called it a temple ball. I don't think, in retrospect, it was a genuine temple ball, but I think it was what he considered a temple ball, which was a combination of like Afghani hash with opium. Mm. And I remember I remember this vividly, uh, strangely enough. Which I, is amazing in itself. Which is amazing remember. that it remained I yeah. remember anything vividly. <laughs> and I was at this table and there was a candle on the table. And I remember I was like I had my pipe and I just kind of torched it up. And I'm watching the flame and I'm looking at the flame. And uh, I'm like, wow, that's fucking – just the way it was moving I thought it was just amazing. And it was a tap on my shoulder and I, it's him. And he goes, oh, you have to go now. I'd been there for four hours staring at this and had no idea. Wow. That was my first opium experience. And so I started going back there, and then I just fell into that. Oh, man. And that's not good. I don't recommend it. So
0: how did uh, you – what was your visa situation? Did you have to renew it every six months or something? You were supposed to. I didn't. Okay. You were hiding out there. You were illegal aliens. That's you. right. Okay. And
1: happy to be so.
0: And as they the pedaling peddling the pedicab, you were getting cash all?
1: It was all cash? All, everything was cash. And I, I was an illegal guy, yeah. too. And the cops knew it. And I remember when I first started doing it, I, had a, I put out a sign, T-E-H-U-U-R, which is to hire uh, For hire, uh, which is what you see, by the way, in the in the the hooker windows. Okay. <laughs> hooker. And uh, so I put that out there, and I was near the train station, and a cop walked over to me. It was the only time I was ever approached by a cop. And he walked over and he looked at the sign, and he looked at me, and, and he didn't say anything, and he just kind of shook his head at me and closed his eyes, kind of. <laughs> and I went, and I, I didn't I don't know what he went. I kind of figured it out, and I took the sign away, and he goes, and then he nodded his head, and then he walked away. And he was what he was telling me was. It's okay that you do this, but you can't have you can't do it like that. You can do it like another way, and that's what I love about Holland. The rules are kind of fluid. As long as you're, you can be an illegal guy as long as you're not damaging the company, uh, the country, or doing anything that's that is. I,
0: I, I don't know but how if to you were it. like you know, say Asian or black, you might again treat it another way. Do you think?
1: Yes, I do think that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's true. Um, maybe not Asian so much, but definitely. Ah, He's an American white guy. What's he going to do? That's right. I think so. But I also think that I think I was tested a couple of times because what I would do is I would never give a price out. They go, how much down to uh, the the Van Gogh Museum? And I go, you know what? I work for tips, whatever. And then I get down there and they would pay me, or sometimes they wouldn't, and and then then that would be it. But if I charged a particular amount of money, then I needed to get a license and do all the other stuff. And so I didn't. And the, so I figured out a way to do it that the police didn't mind how I was doing it. And you did no comedy
0: then? Nothing? Did, no. Because there is a stage. I know there's the Imp Bang Chicago. That's right. There's Boom a, Chicago. Boom Chicago. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but you had no inkling. Never even walked in
1: there. Didn't miss it? Not a bit. <laughs> Not a bit. I, I really didn't give a shit.
0: If the opium thing didn't get out of hand, do you think you would have stayed longer? Or would yes. you have moved down to another country? Or
1: Yes. Where would you have gone? Uh... I like France a lot. I like Italy a lot. Um, Both winners. Yeah, yeah. Can't can't go wrong there. No, I like I like Austria too. I like Austria a lot. Um, um, I like Germany too. I mean, I, I you know there's so many. There's very few of them that I really didn't like. I mean, I, I really like that whole Western European area. So now you drop out for two years. Yeah, and then you come back to L.A. or do you go back to? I came back to San Francisco, San Francisco. because I knew that they had. And I'd never been to a Francisco. sky, but I knew they had pedicabs down there at f- <laughs> Fisherman's Wharf. So it's like, well, I like, I can do that. I was in unbelievable shape. Like, you're looking at me now. This is about 200 pounds, 205 pounds. When I came back from Amsterdam, I was below 145. <laughs> oh, man. All muscle. 145? Under a, I was like 144, 143, something like that. And my sister picked me up at the airport. And she goes, okay, so we're going to the hospital? <laughs> I go, I'm in great shape. She goes, you're not in great I go... I could push over your car. I'm a, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a rickshaw driver. Well, you're also an opium addict. That's right. So I have no – there's not an ounce of fat on me. I'm all muscle. I'm, so you're like rock star, Skinny. Yeah. You were a total rock star that's, diet. The whole thing. Right, yeah. Iggy Pop body. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Where it's like, that guy looks like death, but he, you know, I think he's in pretty good shape. <laughs> did you kick it on your own? Was it, Did I you did. just stop? It was, it was a very rough couple of weeks. I got a, I got a really lousy – uh, apartment in San Francisco I was not making any money I was also uh, a, a bike messenger So I was doing that during the day And then on the weekends I was a rickshaw dr- or a rickshaw driver down there At Fisherman Wharf And then I called up TJ uh, TJ Mark Walter Who was working at Omnipop at the time Who I used to work with And I called him I go, dude, can you give me some uh, gigs? <laughs> And he goes, yeah, yeah. And I, I We thought you died. <laughs> pretty much. Although he was the only guy. He and, uh, and somebody else were the only people that came to visit me when I was there for two years in Amsterdam. And he came because he was on his way to drink beer with the monks in Belgium. Oh, wow. So, so he wanted to – because they make this beer the Some same way. Some of the best way. in the world. Yeah, from the 1600s. They make it the same way. And he wanted to hang out underneath <laughs> like somewhere in like – I think it was Namur in Belgium. And he wanted to go to this, uh, this uh, kind of castle that was run by these monks. Where they've been brewing this <laughs> beer since the 1600s, and he goes, "Yeah, you're just stopping the way, but we wanted to say hi." So it's kind of cool. Did you get uh, restless again? Did you want to go back? Or did you- I always get restless? Did you? I know, but did you look at America a different way coming back, or did you? I was thankful. I did. I was it- thankful, mm-hmm. I I- I you- was thankful to, to, that I could still make money and that my agents were willing to work with me again because I left them cold, and uh, and that uh, that gigs were, that, that clubs were still willing to hire me. And that I could remember, kind of what I used to do, and then I could still write a joke. So I could write some new stuff, and I was just kind of—I was thankful. I was very thankful to be. And and you know, this there's there's a, there's things I hate about this country, but the opportunity—it's like a cliche—the opportunity is magnificent. On a comedy
0: note, and I have this problem myself as someone who travels all the time, I have a hard time. Writing jokes about travel and bringing them back here and making them work. Yeah. Because I find you either come off as, A, they don't know what you're talking about. Right. Or, B, you don't want to look like, a, look, I'm a pretentious guy. I travel all over the world. I'm a right. very worldly man. And, you right. Know, so I'm trying to like you – know there's so much stuff I want to say, but I can't seem to make it work totally.
1: Sometimes – I know what you mean. Sometimes it's almost like you, your point of view in the bit has to be from dumb American. I know. It's like that's the only way it will work to a dumb American when right. the average audience member is often maybe, you know, not a PhD holder. They're <laughs> yeah. A- they're often, you know, just kind of uh, working class guys. Uh, men and women, and so sometimes y- your point of view has to be, you know. And I'm over there in yeah. Israel, and I don't know anything <laughs> about it. <laughs> but and, it's everything I try to fight when I'm there. Like
0: I don't want right. to be that guy. That's you right. Know? And, and yeah, I
1: know. yeah. Well, You're not know, the same way. When I was in Europe, when I would bum around Europe, I would I wouldn't even speak English. Yeah. Because I didn't want them to know. They knew, but I didn't want I didn't want it to come across that way. And it was one of the worst things. You'd be in like some really cool. Like cafe in France, like in the outskirts of, of Paris or something, and you're having some coffee, and you're having like uh, like a local croissant, like just made in the back, and you're having and you're reading like the International Herald Tribune, <laughs> and you're smoking a filterless cigarette, and you're feeling like fuck, this is just awesome. I'm just blending, and then some American walks in, and goes, "Wow, this is great. Yeah, it's like this a is- Starbucks.
0: Can I order a
1: frappuccino not- in I- here, please? Now I don't speak French, but <laughs> <laughs> and you just have to walk yeah. out
0: and just be. Quieter, just please. be quieter.
1: Yeah, you don't have to be a loud American. You can be something else. <laughs> so, how long did San Francisco last? A month. Um, that was it. That was it. Um, I kicked the the opium, and then I was just I couldn't pay my next month's rent. I signed a six month contract with this uh, this apartment building, and then I went down to the guy and go, dude, I got to be honest with you. I'm not making enough money. I mean, you you cannot let me out of the contract if you want, but I'm going to live here for free. Then I'm just asking you. This way, if you let me out of the contract, you can rent the place out to somebody else has yeah. money. I gotta go, and he, and he was cool about it, and he let me out of it. And then I went down and I lived with uh, Bru- I lived in Bruce's house for about a week. Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith. Oh, wow. and uh, his apartment. And then uh, and then I found uh, somebody to live with, and I lived with her for a while. And then it all took off after that. And I did the Tonight Show like a year later. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it was like ninety-seven. Pulled it all. Yeah, ninety-seven. Oh, man. a year later, I pulled it all.
0: Wait a minute, that's not, uh, that was Jay. That was Jay by then, right? It was Jay. Yeah. Okay. It was Jay.
1: I was going to say, wow. No, it wasn't. I would love to have done it with Johnny, oh, but yeah. I was way too we late for have. that.
0: Now that I see Letterman's leaving, I'm just like, man, that's one thing I'll never get. That was yeah. one of the things when I started, I wanted to meet Dave. You yeah. know, I wanted to do a set there and shake his hand. And, I know. I, that's and now it looks I, like it's not going to happen.
1: I know. It's one thing I'm, I'm like jealous of, of Kindler. Yeah. That he's got that – whatever he does, like six times a year, he gets to hang out with Dave and do like a funny little thing. And like never that.
0: kills, but Dave no, must,
1: must just like him. But who gives you
0: know? mean Yeah, they, they love him. Of course, the writers all love him, and, right. and Dave likes him, and that's all you need. And you can
1: tell. You can yeah. tell that you can hear <laughs> Dave laughing
0: during his set where the audience is not. Right. So you came back, and uh, did you go back on the road as much as you used to? Yeah,
1: or? Uh, on, more so, just yeah, on the road. But you didn't want to do commercials anymore? No. But I did, I did some, and I did some. I just need, I want to – money. I was. It's hard when you're booking them. You know, the, the money is nice. It is nice. It is nice. It's uh,
0: residuals are a good thing. You know, go to the mailbox. S- hey, look it's, at that.
1: It's a weird. Th- yeah, now I do. I do here in town. I do a lot of. Uh, I, I make some films. I do short films, and I do stuff for other people. I, I do uh, music videos and. Um, uh, actors' reels and uh, dancers' reels. I mean anything that people need. I'm a pretty good editor and anything people need I'll do. And uh, it's funny. I'll do anything now. Now I don't care. It's funny. When I was – I used to be a, an, ang- an angry young man and now I'm an angry older man. <laughs> and what? And the difference is an angry young man, there's like hope to change the world. An angry old man is just a curmudgeon. <laughs> Right, right You're just an angry old fuck Why don't you just lighten up or you fi- Yeah Or you find acceptance Yeah, yeah and, and now somewhere. I'm in a different place I also sobered up And I'm like I've been sober for like seven years now. And that's, that gives you this whole other perspective And it's like Ah you know I, I just can't there's lot, I realize there's just stuff I can't change What uh, When did Vegas come in? What, what year? About uh, That was 90 No that was I'm sorry uh, 2007 2007 Yeah at the end of 2007
0: And you were in LA the whole time before then? Yes Wow. Okay. Yes. I'm always fascinated about Vegas and living here.
1: You know, I, I, what was I don't your... recommend it. I don't. <laughs> okay.
0: That's what, what was your opinion of it before you moved here, and then now that you've lived here for eight years.
1: Uh. Well, at the at the time that I moved here, I was still kind of you know drinking hookers. In '07, it was booming. Hash. Yeah. And I was. And I was, a I was still – year later. <laughs> and then a year later – and then I kind of quit stuff. So I, I moved here just as I was sobering up. So I moved here just as I was sober. Sober in not, Vegas. Ooh. Not going to hookers, not gambling. I don't gamble either and uh, and really not engaging in any uh, other kinds of uh, 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 illicit activity at all. And um, I, I don't – I recommend it for someone like that. But why Vegas? I mean why – I mean – I wasn't planning to live here. Okay. I was leaving. I was planning to come here to stay. I, there's a, a comic named Nancy Ryan, a very funny comic. And um, she was living here, and uh, she and I were talking. She she dated Bill Hicks for a while, and uh, oh. and we kind of knew each other through this other channel. And um, and I, she lived here. She you know, renting a house and I go, you know what? I'm moving to one of two places. I'm moving – and this is in 2007. I'm talking to her on the phone. I go, I'm moving either to Alaska to do a radio show that somebody's offering me up in Fairbanks or I'm going to go teach English in uh in Chiang Mai Thailand I don't know you know two complete opposites but but (laughs) Fairbanks or Chiang Mai yeah wow it wasn't it was really I'm 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 just I have wanderlust I have horrific wanderlust yeah me too yeah so it's like I was like I was gonna do one of those two things and it wouldn't be forever it never is I was like I'll do it for a while and see if I like it so I was ready to do that I move in with Nancy and uh we're friends, and uh, we got to be closer. And uh, now she's my wife, and that's why I live here. aha uh-huh. ha! And, and is she still in the business at all? Oh yeah, she works over at the X Burlesque. Oh, okay. She's the comic on that show. Oh wow! And then uh, I used to fill in for her now and then. And then her producers opened up another show called X Rocks, and that's over at the Rio, and that's where I work.
0: So the uh, earlier in the week, there were some girls here that were going to Thailand yes and uh you were saying i gotta i gotta warn you before I they did <laughs> okay i did now give me your thailand experiences in in a nutshell the first time you went and uh... it was
1: all about uh women it was about women and i did a lot of research on it first I'm i just sure. wanted to have sex with a lot of you know uh Thai women in their 20s, like, you know, where's the next? Now I wouldn't do that. I As one is want to do. Yeah. Sure. I, I have a different perspective on it now. I would think. On on prostitution in general. Um, but at, at the time, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm all about. And let's do it. And so I, I did a lot of research on it about about the safe things to do and how what not to do. And one of the things I wanted to warn those girls the other night was put your thumb over your beer when you're in a bar. Or put your hand over your drink when you're talking. Because these guys and these women – Um, Thai women, bad – some of the bad people in the bars will drop a little roofie in there and they'll keep an eye on you. And then when you walk out of the bar and you faint or you start getting goofy, they'll just grab you in an alley. And if you're lucky, they just take your credit cards and wipe them out before you wake up. If you're lucky, that's all that happens. Uh, A lot worse happens in that and especially in like Patia Beach and Bangkok, it's really bad, the stuff that goes on there, you know, with like white slavery oh, and all God. kinds of shit. Yeah, really, really bad. Did, you, you saw this happen? You see I this happen? heard stories from people who lived there, from guys who ran bars, who run bars in like uh, Phuket, yeah. uh, Chiang Mai, Patia Beach. Um, I have a friend in Kosamui. Samui. Oh, God, is ha- that beautiful? Yeah. Man, is that gorgeous.
0: Um, so how many times have you been back? I've been.
1: I went there about five or six times. Now you said you were going to cooking school there. Yeah, I went to Chiang Mai. I went for two weeks. I went to a cooking school up in Chiang Mai, <sighs> and uh, and uh, you know you get a little like two week degree. But still I still got the skills. I can cook any Thai food pretty much <sighs> from scratch. And it's my favorite food. It's just awesome. It's just great. That's kind of what that was. And I went there, and I was doing, a, and I was very horny. I have a very high libido, and. Um, <laughs> I think the word is high. I don't know high, Libido. Sure. Extended. I don't know what the proper adjective is, but well, it's, as you
0: get older, if you keep it, that congratulations.
1: Yeah, I'm. I don't know why it hasn't gone away. <laughs> I'm, I think maybe it's I the eat, Portuguese well. thing. It is Portuguese. I got that Portuguese <laughs> bud. Um, so I don't know. I, I just uh, I, I I was doing three three women a night. I mean, oh I was just God. a slob because what I would do is I I go to Bangkok and I would go to uh, uh, I came think think what. Uh, What is it? Pet pong. Pet pong, pong, yeah. And I would go there at like seven, (laughs) and then I would bang the first one by eight. And then I would start drinking – you know it, you know how that works there. You, you kind of go there. You meet a girl in a bar. You pay the, uh, the mama-san 10 bucks, and then you take the girl for like 25 and you go up to a room right there in Pat Pong, and you bang her, and you come back down to the bar, and you drink. And then by 9 o'clock, I'm horny again. So I'm going to get another one. But you can't go back to the same bar. Right. You have to go to a different one because if you go back to the same bar that you got the first girl from, it's an insult to her. It's like they see it as – she didn't satisfy you. Oh, so, so now she, you want someone else. Right. So so you have to make sure that you don't – she doesn't lose face. Ah. So you have to go to a different bar and get a different girl <laughs> to make sure you don't – you know, you don't want to ruin her life.
0: Well, you've seen the seedy underbelly of Thailand. Yes. Did you have any uh, – give us any stories of bad experiences you had and, you know – to a point, whatever you want to reveal, but I mean did you ever get ripped off? Did you ever get like No, I was lucky. I or... should have
1: been. right I was was some some illegal cockfights. Ooh, I found, like. I was really like in the underbelly the underbelly uh, uh, and up in uh, Chiang Mai, too, in some of the darker areas of uh, Bangkok. And um, and I would hear this shit going on, and I was just like, yeah, hey, let's go find out. You know, because I bit of a little bit of a little I lived in Europe for two years, i a little bit of a little bit of alive in, in, in areas that I shouldn't have been in and just figuring out how to do it. And, you know, it's just, it's like, it's like being the new kid at school. Uh, you just have to figure it out and then you figure it out and you figure out who the dangerous people are and who are not. And I, I did, there were some cockfights I was at where I was just throwing down money and uh, I really should not, ha- I should have been beaten up and killed. And I got lucky. I was lucky. <laughs> oh, I got out of there. But um, yeah, I was actually o- o- okay by then, by you know,
0: it's an interesting thing when you go through uh, Thailand, you see a lot of and all throughout Asia a little bit. You'll see a lot of Westerners, a lot of dudes, and they all got a story. You know, they ended up there somehow, and they're running away from things. Or
1: yeah, there's a lot of that over there. There is. It's it's like Alaska. Everybody you meet in Alaska, they got a story from there. They've run away from something. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the same thing in Thailand. It's a a, a lot of you know bad guys. uh, Bad guy go. There are a lot of pedophiles and shit in that area, and there's a lot of guys that just committed. Horrible crimes, just other kinds of crimes, and and they're hiding out either in Vietnam or Cambodia or Laos or Thailand, and they're just you know hiding out there. Was there a part of you that looked at that and go,
0: boy, I I don't want that to be me, or hey, that's always an option (laughs) if I get older. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's always there. Good to know it's always there. And, And honestly, there's part of me that did see that and going, well, if it all completely fucks up here.
1: Well, yeah, I can I'm go a, over there and you know I can live cheaply and eat well. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never <laughs> lost that thought ever. Yeah. I had that thought as a young man um, because I'm, I'm a libertarian and I, I don't like government as a rule. <laughs> and so uh, I, I kind of, you know, just about anything that government does, I just smell. You know, anything that comes out of a government official's mouth, I know is a lie, and I know what it is. Is it's the best possible front they could put for whatever they're actually trying to do. That's what that's what politics and diplomacy is all about. What is the best way we can say this out loud and still get away with it? I really don't like government. So, I'm always ready to bail. And Nancy's like she she knows my phrase too. She goes you know, I noticed there's a lot of spam in the closet and a lot of water. John, is the shit going down? I go, no, not yet. It's coming. It's coming, but don't worry. I got the, the, I got the gold. I got guns. I got, I got the exit plan. But I, I just, I'm not a nut about it anymore. There's a point when I was a nut about it, where, I, you know, not, to, not like, um, like survivalist stuff. Like, yeah, really- not quite as. Fo- I mean, I know a lot of, and I have a lot of those books, and I know a lot of that stuff. But now I don't, I don't really dwell on it. You know, I, can't, I kind of let it go. It's it's like you read the Scientology book or something, and you, and you realize, wow, this is just mostly bullshit. But there is a couple of things in it. Maybe I could use this or this, and oh, I'll keep that in my head, and then the rest <laughs> of it can just go fuck itself. And it, it's the same thing with all of that kind of the world's coming to an end thing. Although I think it's so popular now, the whole like zombie. Uh, Apocalypse kind of attitude That because people like it It's fun to think of They don't think of the reality of it but they love to think of the fun of just <laughs> oh man I'd be self ready and then I got my machine gun and I'm blowing people away. The reality of it, your country has disintegrated and now we're just eating each other. Is that really where you want to be? <laughs> yeah. You know. But I think it's it's a very it's like it was vampires for a while, right? And then it's zombies and then it's apocalypse and it's like people love that that and it's just fucking nonsense. Yeah, I mean, there's a part of you that just goes well if it gets that bad I'll just go down with it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, or I'll bail. I'll <laughs> yeah. get, I can get out of here. I know people, and I can get out of the country, and I can get to other places. And uh, Mongolia. Is, there's a couple of places that I won't even say out loud that I know of, <laughs> even, especially on this cast because uh-huh. I know other people will listen to it. I'll tell you off the air, but um, but there are places you can go to that are just paradise and are not touched by any other countries. And well,
0: that being said, where would you recommend for people if they if they're looking for some place that's off the
1: beaten track? Uh the way to think is go to where people don't want to go. Um if you think of air, no, I don't mean areas that are like like a At war. area. Yeah, <laughs> but areas like um uh the as a white guy you might not want to go. Like but, Saudi Arabia or well, Yeah, you know, Azerbaijan. Yeah, right, right. Because that's a play like for instance Armenia, Azerbaijan, you get in that area like a like a little north of Iran and iran is nowhere near as horrific as the american government would want you to think. Ir- Iranians are fucking wonderful. Their food is great. You meet them, they're like, "Wow, these guys are great." It's <laughs> it's like us. It's like if everybody judged us by George Bush or by our presidents, yeah. they're like, "No, we're not that guy." Well, it's the same thing with them. They're 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 not those guys that run <laughs> that country. They're great. So when you get into those countries, if you can figure out a way to speak Farsi or one of those uh, local languages, uh, dialects, or at least enough of it, and y- you could live a pretty cool life. Well, how many of those
0: countries you've been to? I know you did uh, some of the USO tours. And yeah, stuff.
1: some of them. I've, I've been to some of them. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be my first choice, the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would go more with Asia. I like Mongolia a lot. I think, uh, you know, uh, I haven't been to Ulaanbaatar, but I've, Uh, I know people who have, and I've done a bunch of research about it. And, um, uh, you you get into Mongolia, you can live a pretty, if you're rugged enough. Yeah. I mean, you gotta uh, get rid of some creature comforts that you use. You sure do. If you don't (laughs) mind living in a yurt and you can deal with yak milk and yak (laughs) cheese, uh, you know, and stuff like that. Nepal is kind of cool. Um, once you get out of like Kathmandu, yeah, uh, I still haven't been it. I haven't been there either, but I know that Mm. I know that that area is kind of cool. Uh, I like... uh, I wouldn't go to Japan. I wouldn't go to... It's so crowded. I wouldn't go to, like, Hong Kong, these places that are just so... But I would go... I mean, you've been to Chiang Mai also, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would go in that area and then just go north. Because once you go a little north, you're on that That Golden Triangle area, uh, Chiang Rai, and it's like, uh, you know, uh, whatever that is. Is it uh, Vientiane I'm thinking of? But it's uh, Laos. Yeah, Luang Prabang. I was up there. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And you could just hide there. No one will ever find you. And for a man who loves opium. Yeah, (laughs) that's all I need to do. Let's fall back into that.
0: You're picking out that place. So did you know Portuguese growing up?
1: Uh, I did when I was young, did, okay. yeah, because we lived there too.
0: So you're not a Brazil guy? No, I. Although I love, I'm, I love Brazil. I, I, it's, I, I guess it, maybe it's your lady preference. Uh, well, you know what? It That's is, more I, of my preference than if I'm revealing too much here. But man, do they have great asses? <laughs> the asses on the Brazilian women, it's the home of the ass, are out of this world, and they uh, they design their clothes around it. They <laughs> they feature it like That's I mean, right. it's it's all about it, all yeah. about it.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's uh, the only reason I just haven't been down there. I've oh, been really? to Venezuela, but I haven't been there. That's surprising and, to me. Well, I just didn't get there. I mean, there's just so many places to go. You know, a lot of times I, the work was taking me. So like I was working with Comics on Duty and they would send us to all these places and I love mm-hmm. doing that. So I just haven't been there. I just never got there. But
0: uh, as someone who's anti-authority, what's your scariest uh, run in with uh, a cop or Border Patrol or any I, kind of official? I had
1: very good luck with that. Really? You've yeah. managed to keep your mouth shut in the... yeah i I've, I've had very good luck overseas uh dealing with cops and dealing with uh uh i don't i'm not really sure why i think i'm kind of aware i think i have a really good sixth sense of when shit's about to go down so uh, and and kind of when the crowd is starting when that noise starts to happen in a crowd and it's like okay now we need to go um so i've had pretty good luck i used to here's the oh i just thought of one here's the best one i'm um, um I traveled all over Europe with hash. I would – I'd get it in Amsterdam and I'd travel. But I usually would try and – like going over borders, like either put it somewhere else on the train until the checks had come through and then I'd go back to that spot and pick up the hash and put it back. So that way if they came through with the dogs, they'd find it but it wouldn't lead to me. Um, I don't have the stomach for it. I don't think I, I would be, I'd be so nervous. This was the, ner- the most nervous. It's funny. I haven't thought about this in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'd forgotten because I'm a stoner. I'd forgotten. I had some uh, some black hash in my sock, and I'm, I'm going to take the hovercraft. I, I go down to France, and I'm going to take the hovercraft over to England. You, have you ever been in the hovercraft?
0: No, I did the uh, the, the ship from Calais to Dover.
1: Oh, but that's old that ferry. is the ferry. The ferry. Oh, the, the ferry, ferry. okay. Yeah, this is the, the one Humper that just track. kinda goes just barely no. above the water. It's essentially a ferry, but it goes above yeah, the yeah. water. Yeah, wow. And that's uh, pretty cool. So I, I'm about to get on that and they run the dogs down the aisle. And I'm I'm like, hey, I got rid of my ash. I'm not worried about it. And the dog just glues his nose to my to my foot. I'm like, ah shit. And then the guy goes, to Come with me. And I'm following him. They got they got two armed guards. And they bring me into this back room, and they they take me into this room. I'm trying to remember this now. They bring me in the back room, and uh, and uh, they had me. They go. They go. All right, let's see it. And I, I took it. And I go. That's it. That's, that's all I got. And he goes. Are you sure? And I go. I I think I'm sure. I think that's all I have. I'm all. He goes. Well, if you have anything else, it's better for you if you tell me right now. And I go, I, I'm telling you right now, I think that's it. If I have more, I forgot, but I think that's it. And he goes, well, that's not the answer I'm looking for. I go, okay. And then they take all of my, my bag. They tear it apart. And I'm really thinking I'm going to a prison, to a French prison. And, uh, and they're tearing my shit apart. And then these two guys come in with machine guns and they go this way. And I, that was the scariest moment of my life. Because it was that the guys with the machine guns are here. They have my hash. And now these guys are saying, come with me. I thought, that's it. Now I'm done. I can't even call my mom or my anybody. Oh. I'm going to a French prison. And we go out. And they and, I, and they bring me back down the same line I was just on. So everybody I was on with is looking at me. <laughs> and I'm the fucking the prisoner being taken to a jail. The perp walk. Yeah, <laughs> the perp walk. So they're walking down there. And they bring me to a... Um, uh, Cambio And they go uh, You need to change in Some of your uh, money We're go- you, You're, you're going to pay a fine And I go Okay And how much is the fine It's like 200 bucks I go okay So I cashed in Some American Express Travelers checks I paid the 200 bucks And they let me go Wow They let me go On the next hovercraft I get on that hovercraft I go to England, but they had phoned ahead to those guys. So when I got there, the exact same thing happened, except for the armed guards. They like they took me in, they tore all my crap apart, and I had to talk to this guy and this, this really condescending English guy is going, you know, I don't do a very good English, but he's going like, I, you know, I, I don't have to let you in. I you could just we could just keep you here, we could send you back. I don't have to let you in. And I'm like, I, I, I please, I go, I'm going <laughs> home. I'm going home for Christmas. I just could I just. And he got, and he's asked me a thousand questions, and I was honest with him, and they let me go. But that was the scariest moment. Oh my gosh! So I've seen uh, Midnight Express. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, of. my God, I had never seen the movie, heck. but I read the book, and I just remember in the book there are a oh. lot of frightening moments in that book. And uh, <laughs> shit, man, I thought that was it. But uh, but that's it. Otherwise, I've had very good luck with the police. I just don't like th- I don't anybody. I don't like royalty either. You know, I, I, yeah, you're allowed to b- belittle me. I'm supposed to kneel to you because your family oppressed a bunch of people <laughs> and charged them taxes and chopped off heads. Fuck you, <laughs> royalty. I mean, so what are your dream uh, destinations? If you could go anywhere tomorrow, where would it be? I'd like to go to Ulaanbaatar mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, 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 uh Mongolia. I'd like to visit some of those areas, uh, Siberia, some of those really remote areas in siberia i like i haven't been much to south america i'd like to see peru i'd like to go see the uh nascar lines in peru you know those lines that were made hundreds of years ago you only see from the plane oh okay you know i'd like to see those (laughs) um i'd like to go to easter island um uh where else i I haven't been to australia and i haven't been to new zealand really yeah i'd like to go to new zealand especially you love it Yeah. yeah yeah gorgeous new
0: zealand's one of the most beautiful places i've ever been
1: it looks like it yeah and you haven't done much of africa then no no have i done any of africa um n- no i haven't i haven't done africa
0: what country did you go to and were surprised how much you loved it like you had low expectations
1: going in and holland then- Okay. Holland, because when I fir- I was going to Portugal. I would lived in Portugal when I was a kid, and then I was going to go back to Portugal, and I was going to stop off in Holland because, yeah, I heard they got pot. <laughs> and so I stopped off in, uh, in Holland, and I was like, I just could not believe how beautiful Amsterdam was. I was just blown away by it. And then I did a couple of quick tours around, and I went, oh, my God. And within like a year or two after that, I was living there.
0: But as someone who loves food, Holland, not a good place.
1: Oh, uh, you got to know where to eat. <laughs> Got well, an really? Yeah. Do you like the? Did you ever have the uh, Indonesian rice tables? No. It's a very Dutch thing because they were they they were a Dutch colony for a while, and they were released in like a, uh, Indonesia was released from the Dutch in like 1948, I think. And uh, but they they have these these Indonesian rice tables, and you sit down, and they're only in Holland, and you order all this Indonesian food, and it's just like a, a big bowl of rice in the middle, and like. 25 to 30 different dishes of things You don't know what they are Well I'm sure that's great Because it's Indonesian food Yeah But Dutch food Oh Dutch food There's nothing There's it's a horrible. In- it's horrible Okay but hold on <laughs> Uh, let me defend them, them. Yeah, it is. I mean, most yeah, of it on. is shit. Yes. Most of it is shit. But there's a place called, uh, the, the Motorspot, the Mother's Pot, or the Mother's Kitchen, or something. Uh, Motorspot. And it's in right in the center of Amsterdam. And it's high end. It's like a five star Dutch restaurant. But there's a lot of French influence into it. So there's Flench French Flemish Belgian kind of influence in the food. And uh it's quite good. It's Dutch food with a French flair. It's, it's quite good. But yeah, in general Dutch food is like it's nothing. It might as well be, you know, you know, you might as well be in Wisconsin. Right. Any other tips for people going to Amsterdam and off the a, beaten path? i got a million of them. Okay, give I, us a few for people going... <coughs> okay, uh, when you come off, the, come out of the train station, look to the left. To the left, I mean, you. if you look straight down the, the Damstraat, that's where you want to go to get to the center, to the Dam Square. That's the oldest part, uh, settled in uh, 1275. But when you come out of the train station, if you look a little to the left, that's where the red light district on is. On the way to the red light district, at the top of the Z-Dike, Z-E-E-D-I-J, Dyke. So it's the oldest street in Amsterdam. At the top of it, I think it's number two, is a bar called Intapia. I-N-T-A-E-J-P-E-N. Uh, it looks like Apia. It's a bar from like it's late 1400s or early 1500s. It's, it, I mean, you could fit that bar, you could fit three of them in this hotel room. <laughs> it's a tiny little bar, but it looks like it did then, pretty much. Oh, that's cool. And they call it what, Brown bars. Brown bars. Uh, you know, the the walls are brown because of the hundreds of years of smoking and everything. And then the and, and the bathroom is down this winding stair- staircase in the basement, and it looks like a bathroom from like the 1400s. <laughs> and it's <laughs> a hole mo- in the ground. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's actually you know there's there's modern fixtures, but the rest of it yeah. is just archaic. You know, that's with how it's the, cool. With the, though. Oh, it's the coolest bar you'll ever walk into. Another one is called. The de Man. It looks like the Wild Man. There's a picture of a guy, like a like a, a caveman, out front uh, on a wooden sign. And when you come uh, when you come out of the train station, it's just about. It's like a three minute walk down the Damrock and to the right. Uh, Kolk K O L K is the street. You make a right on Kolk and just kind of flip around to your right and you'll see it. And it is. They have like six hundred different Belgian french and dutch and german beers in there uh all on tap i mean the taps everywhere it's an ancient bar the Vildeman. um there's uh some great uh uh coffee shops smoking coffee shops to get hash in um the oldest i think is uh the roken r-o-j-k-e-n um and that's uh pretty close to the um it's 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 in the it's in the it's just south of the red light district, just like about two minute walk south. Uh, I don't recommend going to the Bulldog or the Grasshopper because those are very touristy and you're going to get charged a lot. Look for the look for the hash shops on the outside of town because you're going to get better deals and you're going to get um, it, it's a much better environment to go to.
0: What's the biggest mistake other than going to those places that people make when they go to Amsterdam? When you see tourists come in, what? What do you see Eating all the, the space
1: time? cakes, okay, because most people don't realize the level of 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 THC in those little cupcakes. Oh, edibles
0: will knock you out,
1: yeah, because it's THC through the stomach, and that will just knock you in your and people just will just <laughs> like pass out. Um, uh, also, uh, when you get there, if you're if you're going to party a lot and you're not familiar with Amsterdam, when you when you're at the hotel, have the clerk point out on the map. Where your hotel is, Had him, have them make a little circle on that map. Now go out and party, but at least you've got that. And you can show it to the driver. You can show it to somebody or the pedicab driver. Or the pedicab as it, as driver. It That's right. And go where the fuck is this? <laughs> and, and so you can get home again. Uh, one of the things I used to do is as a Rickshaw driver. I don't know where, where we're doing on time here. How about what, what um, time is it? Uh, yeah, right Okay, we'll wrap yeah. it up. Um, uh, this was, I, I, I started to get, I got a little smarter when I lived there for a little while and I realized that the best time for me to make money as a rickshaw driver was after the tram stopped. The tram stopped at midnight, but people are drinking till four in the morning. So I would go around to all the bars on my rickshaw and just pick people up and bring them back to the uh, train station. Made a lot of money that way until like four or five in the morning. Um, but one of the things I found out was on Sundays it's when most of the backpacking stoners are are going to the train station, they're done, they're checking out of the hostel and they're going to go somewhere in Europe. They haven't slept at all. They haven't slept, they're they're a mess, they look like shit, they're making bad decisions, <laughs> but they're they got to get there and they don't even know how to get there. They're walking around with their backpacks and I would just ride around and go, uh, "You guys going to train station, you need a lift?" And they were just happy, to "Oh, yes, fine." <laughs> and what would happen was and the reason I used to do this was they would – on the way, they would go, oh, hey, dude, man, you uh, – do you think it's cool? I mean we're going to France. Do you think it's cool to bring like our hash or is that a problem? And I go, look, I'll be honest with you. Uh, You do what you want to do. Chances are you'll probably be fine. But a lot of times in the trains, they bring the dogs through. And I'm telling them the truth. It is true. They bring the dogs through. (laughs) I go, you might not want to bring it. It's up to you if you want to take the chance. (laughs) I
0: see where this is going.
1: Yeah. And I would drop that into their heads. And by the time I got to the train station, they would go, dude, we don't have a lot of money. We spent it all. We're here. But dude, you can take all the hash if you (laughs) want. So I would come home at the end of a Sunday with just pockets full of hash from all over the world. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was a good way to get free
0: weed. <laughs> I just want to touch on this real quick before we wrap it up. I think you had mentioned it. Um, as someone who used to partake in the uh, the uh, red light districts around the world, and you said now you look at it a different way. What yeah. changed it and why?
1: And how do you look at it now? Um, Prostitution. I, I don't... I, I, I used to look at it in like any guy does. Most guys do. And then I just... I don't have kids, so it's not like I had a daughter and had that kind of revelation. But I just – I think I knew – I dated a a hooker in Amsterdam for about six months. She was my girlfriend, and I saw it from a different point of view. And then um, I just just started to read a lot about it, about the industry. And I think it's true that when you support one avenue of the prostitution industry, you're also supporting the other. So – When you might think that just because you're you're in Germany and you're going to one of the whorehouses in Germany that you're just you know and there's you're with some girl from Suriname Mm -hmm. um, that you're just that's fine you know it's just you know she's working her, her but the fact is they're usually brought there against their will they don't have the money to get back or they're in bondage of some sort and the same guys that are doing that to them are also involved in pedophilia. And, and and getting little girls and little boys in uh, kidnapping them. It's all the same industry. So I really do believe that you're support. If you're supporting one end of it, you're supporting the other. Sure. And so that's when I, I kind of changed my mind. So if I could go back, there's not a lot of things I'd change in my life. But if I could go back as to younger man, I would never have gone to a hooker. I never would have paid money for that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it at the time. I loved it because I, in my mind, I was like, "Ah, hey, you know, she's working for herself." I was always a good John. I was yeah. always, a, you know, I was she's always a nice supporting fan. her family. Yeah, yeah I was, was I always gave way too much money. I'm an easy lay. She's not going to have to do a lot. I'm going to take care of most of it. But in, as I got older, I realized, ah, hey, you know what? I don't really want to support those other branches of that business. No, that makes sense.
0: It makes sense. So aside from that, and. What do you think of all this uh, that travel has taught you as a person and how you look at the world and how you treat other people and how you think about things?
1: Um, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not sure how to answer that.
0: How do you tell more Americans who are afraid to go
1: or don't go – so most Americans don't travel outside of the country. I would say become a better human being. Don't be so – I think people – I think human beings do almost everything out of love and fear. And I think the main reason that people – don't go, don't travel a lot of fear. I, I can't, uh, so many guys in their 20s have said, dude, just fucking quit your job, put your shit in a backpack, and go bum around Europe. You will have experiences and you will broaden yourself in ways that the average American will never even think of, they won't even know. And the, the answer is off, yeah, but I have my, I don't wanna, how am I gonna get a job when I get back? It's fear. Yeah. They're afraid to do it. And it's like, man, there's so many and I didn't even get to any of them. there's so many stories I have of just bumming around Europe with a backpack and the people I would meet were just I met a girl. I'll say this real fast. I met I was in France. Uh, Long story short, I got lost in France. I had no money. This was before the euro. And I didn't have any francs. And it was before the banks were open. It was like 5 in the morning. I, I had no money. I was so stupid. I got off this bus too early. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I was like, oh, look. There's the Eiffel Tower. I got off. And I'm oh, god damn it. I'm eight miles away. Right. It's pre-ATM when we could just That's like, right. get that That's anywhere. Right. Yeah, And I was like, shit, what I'm an idiot. And I'm just moping. And this little girl, an Australian girl comes up to me. She's got to be like, 4'8", and she's got this giant backpack. I don't do an Australian accent, but she was like, she goes, what are you doing? I go, and I start whining. She goes, alright, alright, follow me. So I'm following this little girl <laughs> and she's going winding through these alleys in France. And then she, she knows of this little coffee shop and she gets me a croissant, some orange juice, coffee, and something else. And we just sat there talking. She, and I go, what are you doing here? She goes, She goes, I'm, she goes, I'm on vacation and I'm walking from Lisbon to Rome. Walking. Walking. Now look at that on that's, a map. That's so Australian. Through, <laughs> through, France, through Paris. So she's going north to go back south. Yeah. Because she wanted to go to Paris. She's walking for the whole summer by herself, a female with a backpack. And we're just talking. She was like the most amazing human being I ever met. And we're talking for one. She just buys me this stuff, you know, expecting money or anything. And then we talk for a while. And then she leaves and I never saw her again. But, I mean, that's the kind of people you're going to meet. If you just do that, if you just take a chance, stick your neck out. Quit being afraid. Life is short. You're going to be dead soon. (laughs) Fucking go do something. Get out of this country. There's so much to see. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you, man. Ready to do a uh, comedy show? No, I'm done. I'm going home. You're going to have to do (laughs) extra time.
0: All right. (laughs) Thanks, man. John Bazaar, everyone. Want to know the rest? Hey, by the rights. How bizarre. Stop help a on baby